Vanessa, you're back and you brought someone. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here and share some more news. All right, well, let's jump into your episode. Vanessa, you've been on here several times, uh, but for anybody who might not know you or is trying to re-remember you, please introduce yourself, tell us what we're doing here, and then introduce her. Yes. Uh, well, my name is Dr. Vanessa Beasy. I'm the founder and president of the Wildlife Conservation Association, formerly Tortuguiones. Um, so I've branched out. I initially was a sea turtle biologist and came here and learned about all of the different environmental challenges that we're facing here in Guiones and have been working um, on much broader scale of things, uh, primarily the water quality program, which you may have heard of. Um, if you haven't, definitely check out the several podcasts that have come out with uh, Robert Edgeworth and Nick McAlpin and myself. Um, but kind of briefly, what we've been exploring and learning, uh, we started testing the water quality at three different locations here in uh, Guiones and at the uh, river mouth of the Rio Nosara, um, and have seen that there is some type of fecal contamination in our seawater, unfortunately, um, and that's likely coming from inadequate sewage systems. Um, so what, after our first year of monitoring, we have kind of gone straight to what is the source of this problem and how can we come up with solutions. Um, and that is something that uh, we would really like to promote and support the community and working together to all find a solution. Um, essentially what's happened is that um, a lot of the systems that are in the ground right now, some may be too old, the septic tanks might be cracked, um, or they're just not up to code so that water that's coming out of the system is it's not really clean. Um, or there are newer systems possibly that were built um, that weren't really designed appropriately based on the topography of the land or the um, how well the soil infiltrates. Um, so we've been speaking to a lot of the community, trying to get an understanding of the range of problems, um, everything from you know needing a total overhaul of someone's system to just a, a simple fix. Um, and um, the bottom line is that it's each individual property zone owner's responsibility um, to get that system checked and do the best that they can with, you know, their space, budget, and, and time to make whatever improvement they can to help help us collectively really solve this issue. Hey, that um, was a great, great synopsis of what almost everyone has said so far. Um, so thank you. Let's celebrate some successes real quick because we've had more talk and focus on this subject mm -hmm. than we ever have. People are listening to these things. It's working. Uh, people are calling Nick and having him come out and check stuff out. And he's still crazy enough to go do it. Think, shout out to Nick. Um, Dr. Edgeworth, who doesn't like talking to anybody or doesn't really like too many people either, has come on here and and spit out fantastic information. Um, yourself as well. And now we have someone new. So let's transition over to who are you and what are you doing here? Hi, I'm Kelly Harris. I'm an ecological engineer and project developer for an environmental nonprofit. We're called Ridge to Reefs. Ridge small, to reefs. Ridge to reefs, like mountain ridge to coral reefs. While someone's watching this, is there a website or someplace they could look up while they're yeah. listening to you? Yeah. So www.ridgetoreefs.org, ridgetoreefs.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, all the accounts. Okay. So tell us about Ridge to Reefs and what's happening. I'm guessing it correlates with what she just said. Definitely. Yeah. So we're a small organization that works on nature-based wastewater treatment solutions, as well as regenerative agriculture and the development of circular economies, mostly in coastal communities, but also in the tropics, which is where we kind of specialize in our work. Start at the basics real quick and tell us, just don't do what she does whenever she gets too detailed <laughs> and I just kind of stare. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me some, uh, spoon feed me here, this information yeah. for just a couple minutes, please. 
Sure. Okay. So the environment is it's a, a good place. it's a good thing we like it we we are nature and we have some issues going on in the world where our water is not clean when it should be clean um, some people's drinking water is not good we are getting sick from swimming in our oceans and our recreational waters um, hey that one hurt because I just yeah. got out of the water we have red tide everywhere I just took a shower I don't even know if it worked. Um, we're having a lot of these questions right now, so it's a pretty interesting time for you to be here on the mic sharing this stuff with us. Yeah, exactly. We're seeing clean water issues um, pretty much everywhere we work and on the coast in Hawaii, American Samoa, Puerto Rico, and now here in Costa Rica because of development in, in coastal areas and a lack of appropriate infrastructure and in many times appropriate enforcement or rules um, that are, should be protecting our water, and but... Ultimately, we're kind of not doing the best job. Of Can I that. flip it around and ask you a question real quick? Yeah. Is there anywhere that does have all that stuff? Because everywhere that I hear about, the more people I talk to, it seems like it's a, a very common struggle almost everywhere, even the places that kind of have it together, which Dr. Vanessa's confirmed with us when, mm -hmm. the, when she first came out with the test results. I was like, How bad is it? Are we dead? She's like, Well, it's actually better than many places, but it doesn't mean we don't have issues. Mm -hmm. And that the way you put it made a lot of sense to me. And I think that got a lot of people to buy in. But as you mentioned, like uh, all around the world is having this type of stuff. Can you give us a couple examples of places that have it together? Because people would, would like to know that because all we hear is the bad. Well, I think it depends on how you define having it together. You define it. Yeah, I would like to define it as a lot. Most of the world does not have it together because it doesn't make a lot of sense to be flushing our feces and urine in water that we could keep in the ground and in reservoirs for drinking. So the I, system's broken. Just I really feel like our technology is not in alignment with how the earth and natural nutrient cycling works. If it were up to me, I'd say we'd compost toilets everywhere. Let's start to actually be involved in the nutrient cycling process that happens as a result of our beautiful human bodies. Um, but we have decided that we're going to, you know, decentralize wastewater and flush our toilets and not think about it. But that's caused an issue where we have water shortages in certain places and then in other places the water's dirty and we have to put an extreme amount of energy into cleaning it, which is not efficient, takes, you know, it, it takes fossil fuels and then ultimately it's not working. Well, we're starting to bond a little bit because <laughs> I work, well, I work here in the community, have to make money from it. And my volunteer work is generally with organizations that don't have a chance of success and it sounds like your professional life is you're working inside of a system that you feel is broken, like literally a system that is just wrong to start with. So now that we've got that <laughs> on the table, how do you, let's, let's get to your reality. So yeah. what, what do we, what do we do? Yeah. So there's, I think there's many, many, many solutions at, at Ridge to Reefs right now. One of the ones that we're focusing on is a nature-based wastewater treatment system. It's called a bioreactor garden. And essentially at Rich to Reefs, we really believe that all solutions should be and can be local. So this, this ideally the system can use waste materials, wood chips, um, sand, and other, and vetiver grass and other plants from the local community to create a basically what's called a denitrifying wood chip bioreactor, which is a lot of syllables to basically say that it converts ammonia and uh, nitrate in the wastewater into inert nitrogen gas, which goes back into the atmosphere and does not pollute the water. That sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. First point, second point, we got to come up with an easier name. Yeah. <laughs> 
So the bioreactor is short. Biogarden, we can call it that. But the science is, you know, more complicated, but it's basically just microbes eating away the things we don't want in our water. Well, those materials we have here, that doesn't have to come in from some special place. That's that's encouraging. Exactly. And that's how we feel. That's a truly sustainable solution are solutions that are nature-based and don't require energy input if possible. Sometimes pumps and things are necessary. You know, we're open to appropriate technology, absolutely. Um, but in, in the best case scenario, we'd be able just to work with what we have on site. So, Vanessa, back to you for a moment as she's sharing this with us. Where is your mind at on all this thing? Like, give us the 30,000-foot overview of what you've been thinking in that processing mind of yours about all this. Well, you know, um, our connection and collaboration with Ridge to Reefs kind of arose from a group of volunteers coming together in the community and thinking, we need help, and we need to come up with solutions that are feasible. We know from the little bit of, of discussion that's been in the community that this isn't just a problem that few people have. We're, we're kind of all in this together. And so not everyone's got $15,000 or whatever kind of crazy quote you might have received, you know, to spare to fix this issue. And so right away we knew if we really want to make an impact, we need to come up with a solution that's feasible, that's cost effective, and that's something approachable to, to work with the community together and, and train people and teach people about these systems. Um, best case scenario for us in terms of a solution is, is these biogardens. So you're... Um you're seeing her bio garden and what and what you're just what she's describing. You kind of see it as like the the Toyota Forerunner of options. It's, exactly. It's, it's like not the most expensive. <laughs> Might not be the cheapest, but it's very effective for what it is. Yeah, and it's it's something that is is totally doable with within the logistical constraints of being out in the middle of the jungle and maybe not having all the space in the world, which is one of the biggest limiting factors that I've seen in people's systems is that. Proper drainage requires a lot of space. And with the way this area is developing, we just don't have that kind of, of room to spare. Yeah, Nick taught us about that. He also mentioned about trees. He was mm -hmm. the first person on the podcast to come on and say, you need to cut trees sometimes. And that's scary to say around here because if you just whisper the wrong thought around this place, somebody's there to jump your bones and fuss at you and use you out mm -hmm. of context and use it for whatever they're thinking. You and I certainly know that quite well. <laughs> um so welcome to Nosara. <laughs> someone's going to yell at you about this, just so you know. And then someone's going to yell at me for listening to you about it. And then someone's going to yell at me and you for bringing her in. But that being said, it all sounds fantastic. So let's just fast forward to what's the negatives of this thing? Like what's the, what's the catch? What's the thing that we should, what the, what are you hiding from us, woman? Like what is <laughs> Well, I'm definitely not one to sit here and say that the bioreactor garden is the answer to everyone's problems. Um, it's only one solution that we've spent a very long time um, creating and also getting certified in the state of Hawaii. So it is certified and tested to be effective. But these are good things. I'm looking for the but, bad. <laughs> however, I would say, like Vanessa was saying, a lot of these spaces, a lot of these houses developments do not have the space for this kind of system. Um, another sort of design constraint is that you we really want to have gravity flow from the septic tank to the system itself. And sometimes that's not feasible because the septic tank pipe is just too low in the ground. We'd have to dig super deep. Um, it's a high water table near the coast. This is a lined system, but in certain cases, you know, you, you've got the rainy season and so you have water coming in from above, which you can build a retaining wall around it. But there are questions because it's a biological system and it's an open system, you know, it's open to the atmosphere with vetiver grass and everything. So it's a little less potentially predictable 
than some systems that may may have a bunch of pumps and you know aeration units and stuff. But um, we have seen them be used for very long periods of time in many different climates. These wood chip bioreactors with high success rates. But I would say that in a dynamic environment with dry seasons, rainy seasons, um, places that don't have space, houses with really steep slopes, there's other options that probably need to be explored. Gotcha. So it's not for everyone is is one, I guess, a very big point of note. And yeah. then space. You mentioned yeah. that a couple of times. Can I ask you the space that's needed for the systems that you're talking about? Yeah. So if you're looking at a three-bedroom three bedroom home, it's about a six feet by 14 feet surface area. And ideally, you would also want some additional space for a leach field after the system. Okay. So in some cases, that's not feasible, but the system can also be as small as six to 10, six by 10, if it's for like a two bedroom. But it seems like a lot of the places here, the developments are kind of designed for many people to come and stay for vacation. So I was just about to, to say that Dr. Edgeworth pointed that out, that we have a community built off of what was supposed to be just a single family use based off XYZ people. Um, and now with the rental market, people are packing as many bodies as they can into yeah. systems that are operating there. We also have a lot of old antiquated systems. We have old concrete ones and, you said you needed things to flow. We, we, we still have the old school stuff yeah. here, which is her point earlier. So anybody listening to this, it sounds like the takeaway, if you have space, you're not on a super steep hill, um, this might be a, a viable option worth taking a, a look at. On the flip side, if you're on a super steep hill and you don't have much space, either one of those, then maybe this isn't the right way to go. Did I hear that right? Yeah, and if, yeah, and if your septic tank is failing, then that's you have to also replace that too. So it's something to keep in mind. Is a lot of these septic tanks are inadequate as they are, and with that, you know, the bio garden can only do so much. I got you. So for bio gardens, you need to have a heart for the environment. You got to be willing to step up and take this on yourself. Um, and then what's next? How do people explore this to see if it's a viable option for them? Who do they call and talk to? Like, yeah. what do people do? Well, I would say people reach out to myself. Um, my name's Kelly, Kelly at ridgetoreefs.org. Feel free to email me. Are you here um, now? Like, are you living here? Are you I'm, passing through? I'm wanting to come back. I'm coming back definitely for an indeterminate amount of time to become engaged with this issue, which I'm very passionate about and feel that there's actually a lot of momentum here right now around this issue right now. So I'd like to step in and see where I'm needed and, and also learn more about how to solve this very human issue, which as you've stated, also includes like relationship building and learning how to communicate with each other nonviolently. So <laughs> it's more than just a technological issue, but it's actually a human relations um, kind of experiment that I'd like to engage with. Hey, that all makes sense. The good news is no one's going to be violent with you here. They're just <laughs> going to talk bad about you behind your back. Are they going to type it on social media to their same core audience of people that they've been saying the same stuff to for years and years and years. So uh, just as long as you can handle that, you'll, you're actually in a great spot. I don't know of any other town that's how many water episodes have we done? This is Yeah, no, it's been amazing. I mean, I just want to jump in and, and say that, you know, the, this entire project has been community driven from the start and we've gotten so much momentum from people's concern and people genuinely wanting to improve the conditions. And we're so grateful to be working with, with Kelly and with Ridge to Reefs um, and that she's coming back. Our plan is that we'd like to find a public or semi-public area where we'll t install one of these systems and test it. 
um, and have that be kind of really like a community process, working with, with the people that are building it to train people, how do we build these things, documenting the whole process to um, be then able to share that and train even more people on how to install them and have it be kind of a public exhibit where anyone can come and see this and see how it works. And we're hoping that if that is successful, then we can go start going kind of home to home and help people with this alternate yeah, solution. That. So you're doing a showroom and essentially a model. When's that? What's your goal on that? Or, or is that wishful thinking or is that something that's happening? And we haven't brought up the whole money thing and you got to pay to live here because yeah. it ain't cheap. She had to get so all famous on National is... Geographic to, to stay here. So yeah. what are you going to do? Well, we will, um, that, that project, um, we got, uh, we had a lot of so much fundraising for the water quality mo monitoring program that we actually went above and beyond our goal for monitoring. And so all of that additional funds that we have so far will be applied towards this community um, bio garden. Um, and I, I really think it's going to happen. We don't have finalized the location and when, but as soon as Kelly, um, gets back, um, and we can get all of that planned, we really want to make sure that that process, we make the most of that process and that we have yeah, everyone sure. involved and on the ground and we don't, you know, we don't want to rush it so that make sure that everyone that can learn from it is there. The quickest um, way to tear it down year, is I'd to say. launch it inappropriately or to where it didn't work right. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we're yeah smart. hoping to do that, and and from there, then you know I think that it'll be individual property owners can essentially hire Kelly for her help to work on you know that custom design that you need because like she said we really there's not a one size fits all solution and everyone's we've we've seen all kinds of different things <laughs> in people's drain fields and and outside um, you know this weekend so it's clear that we we really need someone with expertise that Kelly has to to help move this along. Do you mind if I ask you a couple questions on that? I'm not, I don't mm -hmm. want to throw anyone under the bus. The podcast isn't meant to hurt, um, at all. It's just made for information to mm -hmm. flow. Flow. That was a bad one for what you guys deal with. It's made for information. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of good puns we can throw out yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad my daughter's not editing this one or doing the sounds. She's just like a pun machine. She'd be, she's all gotta be a mess. So anyway, a mess. I gotta, I gotta get off this. You need, <laughs> The right space, you need the right location, you need the right people. What else do you want people to hear? Like some some people are listening to this wondering if it's applicable to them. Can you talk to them right now and kind of fill us in? Yeah. Like for me, step one, um, the Wildlife Conservation Association put together a wastewater guide specific to the Nosara area and the regulations here. Hey, that was that well will walk you too. through everything. Like um, hey, I wanna yeah. who, whoever we need to give a shout out, like that, that's a beautiful thing. People Thank ask you, yeah. all the time, like that was just, that's really freaking cool. So if you haven't seen that, please check it out. And if you have any additional questions, let me know. But essentially that guide will help you individually without anyone's help, get a basic understanding of what should be in the ground. And it's hard to see what's under the ground. So we, usually it's looking for access points, see if you can open those up and start checking it out. Look at your system. Um, and after that, definitely hire um, someone to come do an inspection. We actually have an inspection sheet that Rob and um, his engineer put together that will walk you through, you know, at least understanding, do you meet code with your current system and where are you failing on there? Um, and start keeping an eye out. Do you see standing water? Is it smelly? Um, maybe not in the dry season, but in the rainy season, what's going on? Pay attention to that um, and and have someone come have a look at it and reach out to us right now. I think the biggest thing is we want to we want to hear from you. Like send us pictures, send us what's what's going on, and and let's 
all have a look together and figure out how we can solve this. Um, I think some of that's going to happen. People are going to be sending in pictures of their neighbors and <laughs> they have their neighbors and people all around. So get ready for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is really interesting. I get it. Uh, it. It's pretty cool. You're in the right spot to do something like you're doing. I get it. I see why you want to be here. How'd you two meet? Virtually, I suppose yeah. we were connected through um, some other locals mm-hmm. here who reached out to Ridge to Reefs, and so it was sort of a circle of of hearts passionate about clean water. And then I actually came here sort of half on vacation, half for work, <laughs> and it's all worked out that I really am loving my time here, having fun with this problem, um, with this uh, kind of challenge. For you, it's yeah. an opportunity. It, it is an opportunity. I mean, I see it that way, and I want people to also see it that way. We should. Um, yeah, because there's no reason to be freaking out about our wastewater problems. It's an issue everywhere, which means that it's obviously something that is being asked for us to engage with and and solve um, as, as a community, and each person has their part to play in that. I really believe that. That all sounds good, except for when you said we don't need to freak out. That's what we like to do around here. We get mad <laughs> And yell. Yeah. Well, freaking out. There's there's a range of freaking out that that is appropriate. That's for next podcast episode. Yeah. We'll deal with that later. How to freak out appropriately? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think the that's answer is there. That's a brilliant podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. Make a note of that one. We got to do that episode. And I'm gonna go ask some of the the gnarliest, meanest people to come uh, to be the guest for each subject. Beautiful. Oh, thanks for that idea. Um, back to this serious subject matter. Sorry, I'm laughing and stuff. <laughs> Uh, what else do we need to cover while you have this platform? Uh, we are also planning a uh, community meeting. Uh, we'd like to kind of, things have been virtual mostly because of, of COVID, but we'd really like to offer a platform for people to come in in person, um, ask their particular unique questions about you know their situation um, and have more of a, an exchange. Um, so we'd like to have myself, uh, Robert Edgeworth and Nick McAlpin all there to kind of share our expertise and knowledge. Um, and possibly if, if Kelly can be back, she would be there as well to um, kind of field questions, share what we've learned in detail. We'll, we can obviously go through the wastewater guide and, and answer more questions and have more of an exchange with the community. If people can go through that guide, are there inspections and have someone ask questions too and not feel threatened, I think that'll help. I know that will help you a, a great deal. Yeah. And I think, you know, what we've seen is that we're really in need of this kind of unbiased opinion in a way. Um, obviously, if you if you call the person that installed the system, they might not want to admit that it's not well done. Um, and and we're really looking to identify those those people that can come and, and look at a system objectively and and come up with a with a solution or maybe several options for each property owner to be able to you know kind of identify what what they can do. Where how far are you able to go? I mean, in the end. We don't need just a few people doing everything perfectly. I don't think that's even realistic for anyone to have a perfect treatment system in Nosara. Um, we, we need everyone to do something, to do something imperfectly, whatever shape or form that takes based on, you know, what you have available. <laughs> it's interesting to hear scientists say that. <laughs> so thank you. Um, I think I understand the biodome. I think I understand where y'all are coming from. This is not a septic system itself. This is an addition to help the septic system that you have or you're about to get. Is, is that right? Yes. It's essentially a biofilter. So right now, the septic tank effluent, just the liquid, it's full of nutrients that just goes straight into the leach field, which in theory is supposed to have some sort of treatment. 
But in most cases, it's too small, first of all. And then second, it's full of these big white rocks that just allow all that water to go into the groundwater. We're so close to the ocean, and with the rainy season, things just get flushed out really quickly. So ultimately, that doesn't actually treat mostly most of anything in, in the wastewater. So the bioreactor garden is a filter, essentially, that goes after your septic tank, which does provide treatment. We've got up to like 87% of nitrogen removal from this system, which beats having 100% of your waste going straight into the groundwater and the ocean. Okay, so this is like a water filtration system, just like the water you drink, except this is the other end of it. Mm -hmm. Literally, the, it's a filtration system for your septic. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I think I understand. And I really appreciate what you're doing. And I wish you a lot of luck. You're going to need it. Um, <laughs> but no good deed, they say goes unpunished, but no good deed happens around here without some hard work and a little bit of the pain in the ass factor. So yeah. if you're if you're willing to do that and you can find a way to make money here somehow, some way and exist, <laughs> then bienvenidos, as they say. See, I feel supported. And I also acknowledge that if anyone else has amazing ideas, I mean, there's some really innovative people around here. And Ridge Tariffs is all about appropriate solutions. The Bioreactor Garden is one amazing solution that we love that works in certain places. But we are open to hearing and exploring new ideas. Uh, can I ask how much these cost in general? Yeah. So we've quoted out a system here around two to $3,000. with all, That's with all materials and labor. Um, it's going to depend, obviously, on the site, if there's more excavation to be done or if we can get materials locally and things like that. But it's a pretty low-cost system comparably um, to other systems that are being used that are not nature-based. How are you going to make money and exist here? Do you got to find grants and outside sources, or can you sell these and exist? Well, I get paid through my nonprofit through other pro other projects that we do. So I'm supported financially to come here. And also Rich Tariffs is very good at raising money. And we already have some potential funders for continuing work here. Um, so I'm pretty optimistic. And something that is an opportunity around, about this area is that there are people here with money. And part of the work of being an environmental nonprofit is to persuade and, and encourage people to use their money for cleaning the planet and, and doing good work like that. So what do you want people listening to this episode? Do you want them to give you money now? Do you want them to do it later? <laughs> or like what's the deal with that? Well, maybe I should get a fund set up or something more um, formal before people start giving me money. But I'm, we're always open to hearing if there's somebody who wants to fund some projects, we are definitely open to having conversations with people. They can email, email me. Like I said, Kelly at ridgetoreefs.org. Please do. Gotcha. So next time we go on site to inspect some of this stuff, then we'll start banging on the money door. But for right now, you're getting situated and you're saying this is going to happen. You like it. So we should embrace this lady and let's see what happens. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. All right. Anything else to add? Any good jokes or something else to say? Something I will add to the money part is that we're potentially looking at options for homeowners who can't afford to invest in a bioreactor garden or some solution that they can maybe actually give a donation or some additional funds to support a Tico family's upgrades as well. That's a beautiful thing. That's really cool. That's really cool. I yeah. bet once you have some examples, we can show more people and they can see it themselves. Mm -hmm. I bet yeah. that gains some traction. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're really hoping to apply for grants to to look at kind of larger scale too. You know, it's one thing yes. if property owner can afford and wants to to do something, but you know, hopefully also get some grant money to do a larger scale community project and reach those people that that can't afford it. The joke I didn't want to say earlier was I was going to do. Do you have to be like Vanessa and sit down and fill out grants and research stuff till all hours of the night and then wake up and go out and research something else and do all the details on that. And that's, that's your life. My job's pretty dynamic. Fortunately, I like grant writing. So I, I'm, I won there. I got, yeah, I got lucky. My eyes open, but we're not used to hearing people say those words. Yeah. I, I'm an engineer who is good at writing and enjoys writing. So I, yeah, I love my job. It's very dynamic and, it's even better to be able to be on the ground as well, working with people on a day-to-day basis. It's not just Rich to Reefs coming in and like being the solution, but it's actually about training uh, local people to take um, stewardship over this issue. So that's maybe a distinction that I maybe haven't been clear on yet, but that's a huge value of Rich to Reefs is to kind of uh, put ourselves out of the job. And it's refreshing to hear somebody coming in with that strategy. Yeah, we, we, everywhere we work, Rich to Reefs, we really try to empower the local residents to take control of the issue. And so a lot of grants that we have are training based and ideally we'd be able to find someone who's bilingual or able to be a sort of liaison for the community so that everything that we're talking about discussing is also being engaged with by the local TECO community and ultimately helping to train contractors and maybe new graduates from the university system to be able to do this work on their own and to eventually take some ownership over it. And that's really the ultimate goal. That's the true sustainable solution. It's not one person, one group that is the problem. And it's, you know, the way I see it, it's, it is a problem, but we can see it as more of an opportunity, like you said. And, mm-hmm. and it, it can be fun to engage in our own nutrient cycling and, and to feel empowered to make a difference through doing this. So, Well, thanks for what you're doing. Thank you as always. Pleasure to have you on the podcast always. And it's great to meet you. Thanks for talking about this incredibly unpleasant subject in a manner that was actually quite pleasant. I'm surprised. (laughs) It is my pleasure. Thank you.